Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 14 of the Success Series. I'm your host, David Berg. I'm here with our co-host, Michael Konofsky. Our guest today is Ricky Nader. Ricky has a special and interesting story. He was a U.S. Army veteran, served in Iraq for many years, as well as in the United States. He now runs a full-time functional gym. He's a dancer and an artist as well, and runs a crypto business. Ricky, it's an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. If you could just share a little bit more with our audience what your story was like, how you got to where you are today, and let's just kick it off. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I grew up in Trenton, New Jersey, and I was at a very critical age, 17, where I had to choose a career or you know, being in a gang, selling drugs, like that type of environment. And I chose going into the military because school wasn't really for me. And then started kind of building myself in the infantry as a machine gunner, got to go to Iraq, have that experience there. And then when I got back, started having like body issues, you know, getting hurt over there really took a toll. I ended up breaking my back there. And then fast forward to 2016, ended up re-injuring myself and having to get medically retired out of the army. But it led me into a path of like self-healing for, you know, PTSD and really the body breaking down, you know, from having a broken back. And then I found this type of therapy that allowed me to kind of rebuild myself. Um, and then it gave me tools to use for other people. So I became a trainer and then started treating people in this type of practice. And now we have a gym in Davie, Florida, where we get to work with people, work on their posture, teach them about their you know, biomechanics and really get them present to their, their, their anatomy and their body. You mentioned being born and raised in Trenton, New Jersey. Where are you initially from? Are you, are you from the States, elsewhere? No, so I was born in Puerto Rico, but I, at a very young age, a couple months old, I moved to, my mom moved to New Jersey, Trenton, New Jersey. And that's where I grew up to about 19 years old. And then I moved to Florida and then kind of started building myself here. Sure. What was your life like in Puerto Rico prior to moving over to Jersey? Well, the, the lifestyle in Puerto Rico was very different, obviously, because very tropical, very like family oriented, very enriching. And then being in New Jersey, completely different weather, completely different atmosphere. And I never really felt at home or, or at peace there. It was a very kind of like struggle to just find your inner self when you're always in survival mode. You know, when everything around you seems like it wants to hurt you or, or beat you up or whatever, you know. And this was this is how you felt in Puerto Rico or in back in New Jersey. Oh, when I got to New Jersey. Yeah. What what about the place made you made you was it the city you were living in? Yeah, I mean, where, yeah. where I grew up, I was uh, you know, I had a pretty rough childhood being physically abused as a as a kid at, from 5 years old and then also being bullied in school. So having to really like just struggle to be myself and you know, find the happiness in life when you're going through that your whole life. And then right from there, I joined the military. So it was like another level of intense fight or flight, you know, survival mode. But it really also taught me to just be present, you know, like really be in the moment because that's the only place you can react from. You're the first Army veteran we've had on this show. And of course, it's respect by any, by any means. Thank you. Um, what led you to want to serve and, and, and how did that process look like from the moment that you decided you were going to do it yeah. to actually enlisting? Well, again, my, my options were very slim. Like, 
it was either work at a factory or like a very basic city job um, or join a gang, sell drugs, like that type of environment. Those are the options. Or go to the military or obviously college is an option, but I was never, I was very smart, but not very like schools, like savvy. I couldn't really handle classrooms. Yeah, like I was on Ritalin, you know, at a very young age till about, I'd say 12. And then going through high school at that age with no Ritalin, with that level of energy and, you know, trying to find myself and then being confronted in that type of environment of like always getting beat up or bullied or what was happening at home. So when I hit 17 and I had to make a decision graduating high school, I chose army because my friend's dad was a recruiter and I said, he said he went to boot camp and got to throw grenades and all this stuff. I was like, yeah, why not? Die, right? <laughs> yeah. So I actually joined the following year or that year, 17. My mom had to sign for me to join. And then I went to boot camp and I was like, well, what am I doing here? This is not me. Like physically, I was like 110 pounds, 5'11". So I was like super thin, right. you know, like Captain America, like story, like very fragile. And then in this environment, I was athletic. So I did good in the in the athletic part. And I just had a, a, a like a niche in, in the military. Like I just picked it up very easily. Something about it was like easy for me to like understand the tactics and the guns and the weapons and all that stuff. So I, I like got to do pretty cool stuff, got up in rank pretty quickly and then w spent 12 years there. Wow. And so again, you got deployed and that was a year and yeah, a year. Since. Yeah. What was that like? We see movies, we see TV shows. What is it like actually being there? Yeah, I mean, it's it is really something that when you're going through the pre-mob, like the, the, the pre-mobilization, you don't really know what to expect. You're just getting told a lot of stuff. But then when you're there, it's it's it. I would say I, I was infantry, so I got to actually go out and do stuff. And it really is like what you see in the movies. Like it's it's pretty good depiction of it um specifically like dealing with ids and you know the the whole aspect of isis being there and kind of blending in not blending in so at the same time you're just also present to at any moment you could die right. like really so you just have to be okay with that if not you will like go crazy for most people you get comfortable with the thought that you today yeah you know you have to you have to oh, is that oh that's part of the training not part of the training it's part of your own like process it's like like my first mission i thought everything was a bomb you know i was a machine gunner so i'm up top like hugging the machine gun terrified that a can of soda could be a bomb a dead camel could be a bomb and then you go through that process and i had to literally sit with myself like okay if we go through a year of this you're gonna die like you're gonna like drive yourself mad yeah or you could just be okay with that that could happen and at that time i was i was i grew up christian so i was very very connected to hashem like i knew that my life was a hundred percent in in hashem's hands so i was like you know god has you so just what are you do about? it just do it just be do your job do what you were trained to do don't worry and if i like i won't go into all the stuff but miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle of like 
I was supposed to be there. I wasn't. A bomb went off, killed X amount of people or hurt X amount of people. You know, a, a, a tire blew up. We had a stop on the road. Another convoy went past us. They got blown up. And if the tire wouldn't have blown, that would have been a, like just story after story of things like that. You know, and then being in the in the in the area of, of where Abraham grew up, like you definitely feel the energy center there that's like just radiating. Sure. Especially like again, I was I, I had that connection of some sort to 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 God that I was present that there was energy there that was different. Right. And you mentioned God at, at a younger age too. Was it something that was instilled in you from you think from the moment you were born an early child or was it something that came later on? Yeah, no, for yeah. for sure, I, I could tell, like, for, even my mom from a young age, she knew that I was, like, going to be on a different path. Um, and it's funny because my grandmother always said, like, oh, one day you're going to be a pastor. One day you're going to be a pastor. I was like, okay, grandma. Let's see what it's happens. Like, okay. <laughs> but it ended up being that, like, I had such an affinity to get close to God. And my way of always finding God was in nature. So even when I was on a mission, like I would see an owl flying over me and I would think like, man, that's, you know, that's God protecting me or that's a, a sign that uh, I'm being guided or something, you know. So I always looked at nature to, to really connect with, with God. And from a young age, I chose to go to Bible study and to read and to study, you know, in, in the Christian path, you know, at that time. Uh, but now when I started really studying Judaism, I really understood the the, the root or the seed of, of, of everything. Sure. And you, we mentioned you also have a gym yeah. focused on functionality. Was that inspired by your injury in Iraq or was that separate? So it was. Yeah. yeah. So I had to learn to walk again wow. without a cane. And the doctors told me that by 30, like my hip was going to be like Done. finished, finished that I would have arthritic like freezing in the hip so get ready for that and I was 26 so imagine like it's the scariest thing you can hear scariest yeah. thing at 26 I'm a professional dancer right. you know that's my business that's my livelihood and the doctor was telling me you're never gonna walk again like without a cane right you know um so I kind of just said no there's no way there's no way I didn't accept it I tried everything I started just looking and uncovering things you know, and part of my healing was spiritual. Part of it was like going to church and really praying deeply and like just asking God, like, please, like this cannot be my path. And I really felt like a shift happened energetically to where I was actually able to start kind of crawling again. So I was able to kind of like let go of the cane and really start creating motion, sure. but still in pain. But I chose to like leave the cane. I chose to not like Get even the doctor's orders. It was I literally threw the cane. I left the church and threw the cane away. I said, I'm, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. Like, and you walk with better pain. No, I, I was already better. Like I had some sort of like healing there that well, happened. Once you had left. Yeah. Like there was something there spiritually that happened in my prayer that really moved something. And then I knew from then on that I had a new path to follow. And I found this type of therapy. I got certified became a trainer, got to train people all over the world with it, um, got to go to Cape Town and teach there as well, this type of therapy, and then just took it on. And now we have a facility with some partners that open up another gym, and you know now we're doing something in Davie. Beautiful. What is, if you can just give our listeners a little bit of, what does that training look like? How does, yeah, just. Yeah, it's, it's something that really connects us back to Hashem. You know, it, it's, really related to our natural biology. 
and our biomechanics. So really understanding, you know, how the anatomy is connected down to like the fascial structure. So fascia is something that until 2017 wasn't considered anything of importance and then became a major organ. So it's like fascia is like the brain of the skeletal, muscular and nervous structure, right? So you, we have our brain for our consciousness. We have our brain that is the gut that releases chemicals for the purpose of adrenaline, fight or flight, you know, everything that makes us feel good or feel stress. This is why we always feel it from here. And then the fascia is the brain of us being able to do that on command. Like a lot of times people think, oh, the muscle is curling or creating a contraction, but it's a whole line of fibers that are pulling almost like a drawbridge to actually create this motion. So the, the type of fitness that we teach or the, the way we perceive fitness or also therapy is understanding the natural, the natural human biomechanical structure like where are the organs, why are they there? What, what is their core really here for? You know, we're rotators, not, you know, just lifters. So when you think of traditional lifting, you have the gym, you go on a machine that's contracting you You're and you extend your leg, you do bicep curls, you do a bench, you do, you know, pull-ups, you do tricep extension, but all of that is a very squared very motion. Stagnant. It's very stagnant. Right. Everything is in two dimensional but we're transverse beings in the sense that we move in all planes of motion at once. We're spiraling up, down, forward, back, left, right, at all at the same time. Like we're never just, like if we were kangaroos, yeah, it would be great, right? right? Because that's how they move. But for the human anatomy, this is why we can dance, we can flip, we can spin, we can fight, we can throw. We're the most precise throwers in the, in the whole animal kingdom because our anatomy is very precise, but we evolved to do that. You know, we evolved to throw, to survive, spears, rocks, to either kill or not get eaten. So our anatomy is very specific, but I would say in the 70s, 80s, we started really getting into this whole like fitness industry concept of aesthetic-based fitness. Right, how do I look, how do I look? Yeah, with like powerlifting or, you know, the whole Arnold era, like all of that was more just like, look at my physique. But okay, go actually run away from a lion. You're gonna get tired very quickly. You know, go do something functional in your life. You're gonna pull a muscle more than likely, or you're gonna, yeah, you're strong, you're you're not functional. Yeah, it's not actually computating into actual power energy, mass, being distributed, you know, it's just like, I look good, you know, and most people today, if they're being completely honest, this is what they're thinking. Like, I want to look good to attract someone. And the person that I want to attract has to also look a certain way for me to converse with converse and and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a psychological aspect to, to training. There's a intentional aspect of training. There's a present aspect of training. So, you know, from the video that you saw, you see there's an intentionality to everything. So we're like the model of, of the creator is do X intentionally, not habitually. So he says train intentionally, not habitually, eat intentionally, breathe intentionally, not habitually. Just to think about breathing, how many times a day do you stop to go and really like, or when was the last time you did it? Like you, most of us can't even remember. Breath is the source of the Neshama is, is life. 
but we never really stop to just breathe intentionally. Like we breathe this much, maybe down to here, right? And the lungs never actually get full capacity. So everything inside of the training is based around like the natural flow of the human structure, but not yoga, not Pilates, not like all of that stuff. Yeah, our body can do that, of course, but we're not wired or engineered to do that. This is why we suffer so much on the backside. You know, you do yoga for 20 years, you're going to have hip, knee, Absolutely. shoulder problems. Weightlifting. There is no, there is nobody that can tell me no. Now, spiritually, maybe you've elevated yourself away from the physical pain, but more than likely your posture is not that great because you're so relaxed into your bones that the structure that's supposed to lift you is now being suppressed by the gravity. You know, and it can be disputed, you know, any which way, but the purpose of us being engineered the way we are, there's a price to pay when you start diverting, diverting that. from that. Absolutely. You know, people like Animal Flow, like Ido Portal, right. but if they look at Ido, he has a lot of surgeries, a lot of problems physically. He's no longer doing most of his stuff because there was a, there was a price to pay for that. Sure. Like, yeah, you can do those things for a very short period of time, or you can take the longer path and really build a structure that has foundation and fundamentals that correlate to our natural anatomy. Right. It's not going anywhere further than the way we were biologically created. Right. And so this training is what helped you recover from that severe back injury that could have left yeah. you in a cane the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. And not just that, like in my dancing, I started dancing in a way that I had to really like craft myself as a dancer because I couldn't do the movements that most dancers could do because my fracture is in my L5, which is the lumbar. And most dancers, when they create movement, they're generating a lot of that like freedom from the lower spine and I can't do that. So I had to like kind of take the functional patterns training and remodel my dancing to meet those requirements. And then I found a whole level, a whole new version of myself inside of my dancing through this. Right. And so in hearing your story, what we heard so far, Army veteran, dancer, artist, functional gym trainer. <clears throat> how do you find the time for all those things? And how do those, those are very opposite things, right? Uh, yeah, if we were going to call this episode one thing, maybe we call you the dancing sniper. Yeah, right? yeah. That would be the name for it. The salsa sniper, yeah. Right. So how, do, how, does, that, how does that flow? And, and yeah, where do those ideas come from? I mean, my nature really is, is art. Like, again, I find God in everything. I look at a sunset, sunrise. I think, man, like the most beautiful Picasso or Van Gogh ever painted every day, like just being regenerated. So I always found like poetry and artistry and even martial arts. Like I, I studied a lot of uh, Kung Fu and Southern Shaolin and it was all about animal flow, like tiger, crane, but not like what Ido's doing, more so like how to strike or move, you know, to take your opponent out like a leopard or a snake or whatever. And all of that is also, again, like the human body can do marvels, but really understanding like the artistry behind it, like I was always drawn to that. But again, at 17, I had to make a very pivotal choice, right. which again, gave me a very unique skill set, but I never really like connected to it. It was still a form of human expression though for you at the time, right? Yeah, yeah. For sure. Um, and also, you know, I was fighting for an idea of what I thought was right, which, you know, now I have a very different perspective, but either way, it's like, it was what I needed or, you know, 
Hashem's purpose for me. And, and I could see now all of the things or some of the things that were layered in that, in my spiritual path that I needed to go through that, you know, even like being in the land of Abraham, right. you know, the original like land that he was from, like that was very spiritually awakening for me. Like I could, I really came back with some level of like shift from that. And now that I've really started tapping into, you know, Judaism and really studying and understanding certain things, I could really see how being there was very, like, soul lifting, if you will. In today's generation, I'll say a little bit younger than myself, people that are in high school, early college years, they find small challenges a big, a big deal, right? It's, you had a, not an easy childhood, you served in the army, what has been your, you broke your back and we're told you're going to be in a cane the rest of your life. How have you been able to persist through all these challenges without saying, you know what, my life isn't working out. I, I give up hope. Where has been your desire to continue to push forward coming from? So, yeah, I mean, I, it wasn't always easy and it was never something I took lightly. Like I did try to commit suicide twice wow. in 2012, 2013, more so because of like, a lot of PTSD and, and stuff like so trauma from there. Yeah. Post, post Iraq. Um, and I really just felt so defeated and it was because I, I, I separated myself from, from the light and I was just so consumed by all the darkness of being a, a machine, a killing machine, you know, in, in a sense. And you, you have to, again, being okay with dying, you have to kill a certain part of you. Now, when you come back, you have to now deal with that part of you that you had to kill, you know? So, it wasn't always, but I always trusted God. Like I always turned to God. Like, you know, as, as, as a lot of people always say, yeah, you know, God's always been there. Like I really always like leaned on him and found refuge and like honesty in that space for me to like be able to get through it. So when my back was the way it was, I was like, there's no way like this is what God wants me to do. This is just a leverage point for me to create something, okay. elevate, do something. There's no way that this is my story. And for a while I did believe it, you know? And even now when I have a, an episode where I got to flare up or cause the back is still the way it is, I just created a structure around it that could support it. I, it's always a thought of like, is this the time? Is this the time where you, you're not going to be able to get back? Right. So that thought is always constantly there, but you know, there's no way that and if it is, then there is something there for me to, you know, if Hashem's path is for me to not walk or, or walk like this or whatever, then I know that accept this, I accept it for what it is 100%. For our listeners that have experienced trauma, post-traumatic stress, what would you say to them to help ease it, mitigate it, and ultimately overcome it? Yeah, the biggest thing is don't believe the, the story that you're telling yourself. Because it's it really just a story. It's a It's a... You know, time doesn't exist, but we like to live in the past. So it's like, if you're repeating those stories, like this is what PTSD is, is you're repeating the story of a trauma that happened then and you believe it now. So the moment you let go of that, now you create space for, you know, like in Kabbalah, they say you're expanding the, or you're allowing the vessel to now receive more light. So I saw those moments as an opportunity for me to expand my vessel which means the outcome has to be I'm, I need to receive more light. Like I am telling the creator, give me more light because I am allowing myself to expand. So I would say, you know, 
I just really trust that the experience you're having is just a leverage point and it's not permanent. Right. You touched on Christianity, Judaism, now Kabbalah. What was your path to discovering Kabbalah? How did that come about? So when I was in Israel, I lived there for six months, um, studying Judaism, really getting to understand, you know, what, are, what it is, you know, at, at the core, like in the land, being there. And I was studying on Lillianbloom Street, uh, Hebrew, at a Ulpan over there. And I kept walking past the Kabbalah Center right there, and I always found it very interesting. So when I had to come back to the U.S., one of my dance friends told me that they had a friend who was a Hebrew teacher. And I was like, oh, put me in contact with her. I, looked, I, I would love to continue studying Hebrew like one-on-one. -on -one. And then I told her where I was staying. And she was like, oh, have you checked out the Kabbalah Center? And it's eight minutes away from where I, I started living in Aventura. So I was like, it's not a coincidence. I have to go. I, I have to go. <laughs> and I was like really in my infancy of like studying Judaism. And I just had this profound desire to really learn Kabbalah because I saw it as like the fundamental workings of the universe from the sense of like science right so I got drawn in from the from the side of science but then I understood the the deep that it, it just is the fabric of everything you know the the letters the structures like everything has a, a purpose and a place so it, it just drew me even closer that it's not a, just a coincidence. Like none of this is really just cause random, and effect. Right. It's random. Yeah, it's organized chaos. Right. You know, right. so for me, that's my that's how I see. Like, how does a bee know that the flower is the source of thing? And we found out that it's honey and pollination. Like how? Like it just doesn't make sense, but it makes sense, you know? Right. So seeing it from that perspective, like Kabbalah really gave me a another layer to step onto to really see over like the hedge of this facade reality this, the, of what, yeah like what the mahout, the, the 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 transition of like the one percent it's like you're really starting to see what's on the other side of the fence you know Absolutely. so you know it, it really like was what i was expecting and everything else you know right so being able to also access like my like love for science and understanding, you know, the inner workings of like the quantum field and, and all of that. Kabbalah is telling us that this has been like happening, you know, back 1300 years ago. They've been talking about what Einstein discovered, you know, or most of the, the greatest thinkers like. When you look back, Carl Jung, Plato, like what we were speaking about, they all, Shakespeare, they all have references to Kabbalah at some degree, you know, and it was right around the time of, you know, the, the big explosion of Kabbalah in that era as well. Absolutely. A lot of our listeners are in the younger generation, as I mentioned, they're seeking podcasts, books to gain information. I know you're curious by nature, and that's been a big drive for you to study different things. Where would you recommend they start with acquiring knowledge, learning new things? I really got into some level of like looking at, at science and and how it translates to Kabbalah. So I started reading a book from infinity to man. That's a very like good book if you're into the science things. And I think one of the most like transformational books for me from that perspective, also like what I do with the functional patterns 
is the soul, the anatomy of the soul, which is derived from Rabbi Nachman of Breslov's teachings. And it's like everything I wanted, the science, the anatomy, the physiology, the biology, the spiritual, and how everything is really like from the creator, like really understanding why we are built the way we are. Absolutely. What do you feel is your purpose in life? I think I came to be a healer of some sort or uh, some sort of, and I, I say this very cautiously because there's too many, too much of this, sure, like guides and leaders or, or like things like that. But really for me, it has to come by me being that, like not something that I'm trying to talk about, but not really living. So for me, it's to really be a source of love for myself and then be a source of that for others through, you know, whatever Hashem has for me. It's case in point with your new functional gym. Yeah. You're actively healing, and I'm yeah. sure there's a spiritual component to it as well. Where, what area of your life do you not have clarity yet? I know you're very connected to God and you believe in a higher power, but where are you still lacking clarity on something that you'd like to, to have clarity on? Well, I'm in, I'm in a very interesting and beautiful transition in business. So that's a big area where I'm like really trusting in God that to guide me to make good business decisions with the right people and, and really just do it the right way. So really just opening myself up to that. And then also my spiritual path, you know, growing up Christian, finding Judaism, you know, there's kind of like a path of the Noahide where you could kind of be in the space of, of Judaism, but not be there. Or is it that that is my, my path? Like just being in that space of just allowing myself to just be present. And at first it was like a sprint, like, oh my God, Judaism, this. But now it's like, I just want to learn about myself more through what I'm learning right. and then see what Hashem's path is. Like, and really be patient with that, not jump it or yeah, not the process. It. Yeah. Oftentimes the, our biggest blessings, as I'm sure you know, doing what you've done, our fears lead to the greatest blessings. What, what fears are still prevalent in your life today that you feel ultimately will guide you to a, a, a greater purpose or a greater good? I mean, I will say I, I've never been someone that feared clearly, like being in the military and doing what I did. Never been afraid of any animals, nothing. I mean, being abused at such a young age is like that dies at a very young age. Um, but before finding Judaism, my biggest fear was that I would not live up to my purpose or really find my purpose. Like I really felt lost because I was so disconnected from the light. And then when I plugged myself in, to, you know, and, and really started like understanding the greater purpose of, of humanity, I felt such a peace and ease understanding that I, I arrived at the beginning mm -hmm. Like I arrived at the so starting the of the actual journey. Yeah. Right. And now I'm like so like enlivened and thrilled to just be alive in the most basic way, you know, right. that I know through that path is where I will find everything that I need. You've had a, a journey, highs, lows. You are where you are today. And a lot of that, as you said, is a testament to how you grew up. What would you tell your 17 year old self today if you could go back and, and tell him anything? To invest in Bitcoin. <laughs> that would be good advice. 20, in 2010, right. absolutely. Put everything you got in Bitcoin. What was it, 100 bucks at the time? 
in, oh, in 2010, yeah. it was like yeah. you could buy 10 Bitcoin with a penny. Wow. Yeah, it was like you know, it just came out in 2008, really sure. just started going. Yeah. But definitely buy Bitcoin. Okay. Uh, the, but the real thing is to to just trust, you know. Like I was having that that conversation with myself today. Like, even though life was very hard, the fact that now I understand it was never actually permanent. It's like just trust that you are, like, being intended to. Not that you're doing the right thing, but trust that you're being tended to and tended to by, by the Creator. And He's never ever ever failed me. Like really like in the most powerful way possible like every time i've turned there is always he's always been there like not like oh yeah i'm on my way like i've been here the whole time like wow. you just never realize it yeah and it's uh you know it's 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 easy to kind of look past that and get caught up in everything and all of the noise of the of the matrix of the illusion of whatever you want to call it the simulation life but the reality is that it's all being ordained by one. So you might as well enjoy the ride. Beautiful. Ricky, it's been an absolute pleasure having you, you on. Thank you. We'll definitely have you on again soon. Thank you for tuning in. Ricky, Army you, veteran, everybody. artist, dancer, and crypto. A wonderful story and a lot to learn. And we thank you for your service. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thank you.